Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Race IndyCar podcast. A bit of a special episode this week as we drop everything we're doing to have a nice old chat about Kyle Larson and his attempt to do the Indy 500 in 2024. Alongside me is JR Hildebrand for the first time in 2023. JR, thanks for joining us again. How are you doing? Have you had a, a nice relaxing break or has it been a busy one for you? Yeah, I've been a little bit of both, but uh, but yeah. Looking forward, happy to be in the new year. And uh, yeah, this is obviously awesome news to start to, to sort of kick things off. Yeah, for sure. And you've had some, uh, we, we've seen on your uh, social media, you've had some uh, ice carton experience, which uh, gave me a lot of thrill sat there watching <laughs> it. So uh, you've uh, kept yourself busy in the, in the driving yeah, seat. Yeah, I've been staying busy of, of sorts, whatever is av- <laughs> what's available to us out here in uh, in Colorado in the in the off season. So <laughs> we, make, we make do, Jack. All right, let's crack into this because it's quite, uh, I guess, an unusual story in in some ways in the sense that McLaren has announced that Kyle Larson will join the team for the 2024 Indy 500 before we've really even started thinking about the the 2023 Indy 500. I know we've had Tony Kanaan confirmed in the team for 2023 alongside Alexander Rossi, Pato Ward and Felix Rosenquist, but many people still thinking about the 2023 IndyCar season finishing with Agustin Canapino being confirmed at, at Huncos. So we've just got one full-time seat left for 2023 at Dale Coyne at the time we're recording this now. So switching to 2024 kind of seems like a a weird change of gears, but we've had this confirmation, this announcement from McLaren alongside Hendrick Cars and Rick Hendrick, who will sponsor the entry that Kyle will attempt the the Indy 500 in 2024. So massive story for us, JR, especially as huge fans of people crossing over and doing different uh, championships, different cars, um, you know, basically giving anything a go. It also signals the return of double duty so Kyle will do the Indy 500 and then head to Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600 in NASCAR with Hendrick as well so uh, another chance to see if someone can you know I guess win those two races which is uh, something that, that hasn't been done before and something we'll we'll chat about on the show but we're obviously very excited about this announcement JR given you know he's in McLaren and Hendrick equipment for these two races is your kind of immediate feeling that we should be getting excited about this and he should be going out to to try and win those two races i mean i think if there's if it's possible for somebody to do it Kyle's kind of the guy and this is the right sort of situation for it to happen i mean as we know a lot of things end up depending for anybody for any team for any driver a lot of things will sort of depend on wh- where are we at you know, engine wise, that's going to be the first year of the hybrid powertrains. There's a lot to unpack in all of that, that you may, it may just end up turning out that like some teams have done a better job of those things than others. But we obviously know on the Chevy side of the fence, well, A, Chevy's made some definite gains. If we're just going to continue along with the 2.2 liter motors, that's sort of indefinite at the moment. So it'll be certainly through 2024 through this first go around. I, I'm expecting, I mean, this is changing gears a little bit, but like 
I'm expecting that this is not just a one-off thing for Kyle Larson. Like this is, you know, when you, when you grew up racing dirt tracks, racing at the Indy 500 is a part of what has historically been, you know, the, the end game for doing that. Um, Kyle's clearly just, what I love about Kyle Larson is that as a race car driver, he's just like, I think he's just as happy to be racing dirt cars three times a week as he is racing stock cars or whatever else. And I just think that this is going to be a new challenge for him that's going to be so different than what he's experienced doing anything else, going that fast with that much grip, basically. Like, it's just going to be a completely different feeling than anything else that he's driven up until this point, I think. That that alone, I think, is going to just keep him engaged. Like, I think he's... It, like like Max Verstappen or something. I think these young guys, they've had so much success so early in their careers doing their primary thing that I think they just don't care that much. They're not at the point, they're not at a point where they're super concerned with like how many, they didn't ever get into it thinking I'm going to be Michael Schumacher or I'm going to become, I'm going to be Dale Earnhardt with seven titles. You know, like the the number of championships they win in NASCAR or F1 are kind of like, I got I got my one that checks the box like what else is there to do here you know like what 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 what's more interesting and and maybe you know maybe for maybe for max that ends up just being i'm going to try to just completely bury everybody and win as many races in a season as i possibly can for as long as i can and that's that sufficiently scratches his itch for Kyle Larson i think we already know that that's not going to be sufficient cuz he's still gone and done all this other stuff and the awesome thing about this is you're seeing Hendrick support his guys going and doing it. So whether it's been Kyle or Chase Elliott, who I don't think is, I don't think it's like out of the question that Chase takes a swing at the 500 at some point either. Um, it's just, it's so cool to have these guys doing it really in the prime of their careers as opposed to as kind of like, okay, well, I've, I've been there and done that with what I thought I was here to do. And now I'm going to switch to something else kind of afterwards, which even with Kurt Busch, I mean, he ended up, you know, continuing to race in NASCAR for a number of, I mean, that was 2012, right? When Kurt did the five, did the double? 14. I was 14. Okay. So it's been, you know, he continued racing for almost 10 years after that in NASCAR, but um, this is just, this just feels different to me. Like this feels like something that Larson could end up doing this kind of for the long haul. He's, he's got support from Hendrick. I know that Hendrick kind of kicked the tires on running a little bit of their own program or doing something like that. Um, I think ultimately the 500 was the the main, a little bit like you've heard from Justin Marks and some other, uh, you know, folks from outside of IndyCar, you know, the 500 is the thing that appeals to them. And, and I think ultimately is kind of the only thing that really appeals to them in a significant way. So I guess I don't, this makes sense to me to see them come in and be a little bit more of, rather than being, you know, a team that's running a car being, you know, more of like a co-entrant kind of sponsor, just working with somebody else who already has all those pieces of the puzzle sorted out. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm psyched to see it. And, and I think it's, it's what you kind of, it's what we've been, it's what you, you know, it's what you hope to see from having Zach Brown around. I mean, like we've, we've talked about kind of some of the trials and tribulations of, of how his involvement in, in F1 and IndyCar and whatever. And, and maybe that's not always been something that we've, uh, expressed complete fondness for, but 
this is the, exactly the type of thing that he's all about. And he kind of uniquely has an eye on, on doing and producing. And, and I love to see it. I'll just qualify the question a little bit because suggesting someone would do this not to win, you know, is a, it seems like a ridiculous thing to say out loud, but I think we have to be realistic in the sense that, you know, Tony Stewart is one of the most, you know, successful drivers on, on either side of the championships that he's raced in. And his best effort was sixth and fifth in the, sorry, sixth and third in the two races. So that's basically the best anyone's achieved across the two races. So, you know, no, no one's won either of the races when they've been doing the, the double duty attempt. So it is a massive task to take on. And you can understand why when you realise how difficult it is to win the Indy 500 as a driver and then you jump on a plane and you're sat in a, a really hot NASCAR pounding around Charlotte for another 600 miles. It's not a an easy task to do. I, I kind of want to pick up on a couple of things that you said there, Joe. You mentioned kind of Chase Elliott and, and a little bit about Zach Brown as well. And I just wanted to throw into the ring that I'm really excited that this seems to be a, a really kind of mutual arrangement between Hendrick and McLaren in the context of we've heard Michael Andretti in the last few weeks talking about how he's really interested in having a NASCAR team in the future and has a lot of interest in at least having some sort of program in NASCAR, even if it's not his own full team. I think he's, you know, he wants to be there. He wants to be involved in in NASCAR. And with with that as kind of a setting, it's, it's really interesting to see this deal come together and uh, a tie up between two, you know, enormous names, you know, Hendrick, obviously one of the biggest names in NASCAR and, and McLaren, one of the biggest names in, in global motorsports, full stop. And the fact that we know Zach Brown is pretty much interested in racing in any championship that, you know, makes business sense for McLaren that he can basically justify to his his board, I guess, that, you know, it's worth doing for, for McLaren. So we don't know too much about that yet. And this is obviously very early in this in this kind of relationship, but I think it's gonna be really interesting to see Zach to hear Zach and to hear Rick talk about, you know, how this kind of relationship is going to move forward and what that might mean for the future, whether it's uh, you know, an assimilation, maybe we could see um you know, a McLaren presence in NASCAR, for example, or we do see more NASCAR drivers coming over with McLaren to, to have more goes at the Indy 500. So that's going to be really interesting. JR, as someone who's done the 500 so many times and, and had so much success there, can you give us a bit of a feel for what Kyle's biggest kind of challenges are going to be? I know you've tested and driven lots of different machinery over the years and not a, a current Cup Series car, but you can give us a bit of insight into what some of those challenges are going to be for, for Kyle coming from a you know, such a, a specific background in the NASCAR Cup Series and, um, and the challenges that, that that car presents and then, you know, throwing him into a, an Indy 500 where he will get some testing, but it's going to be a, a very busy month for him. Yeah, I think I think his challenge is not probably that dissimilar from anybody who's just coming in as a rookie, really, that, that, that there's just going to be, well, I guess I'd put it this way, that the things that I mean, we talked last year about, uh, you know, what I kind of, saw from some of the rookies going around in practice and and getting through the race and, and all that kind of stuff. And and some of those things to me were a little bit alarming, just like not in any other not not indicative of of the drivers or anything like that, but just, you know, driving around in practice, kind of seeing seeing guys maybe not prioritizing like staying on the white line when you're in like a lot of traffic, you know, being willing to drive kind of, you know, varied places on the track when you shouldn't. You know, there's situations like that that Kyle just have to learn. Like he'll just—he's got a really steep learning curve. He does. I, I think he'll get in the car, and when he's out there on his own, be—I I would assume—in a good car, relatively comfortable, pretty quickly. I mean, he's gonna—he's gonna have a thing. He's gonna—he's gonna be driving a car that like goes where he wants it to better than any race car that he's probably ever driven. 
you know, up until this point, right? So, I think there's an element of that that he's going to probably adapt to really quickly and be able to understand the qualifying dynamic. And I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even in the most remote sense, discount the fact that he has already just driven so much different stuff and adapted insanely well to all of those different things. It's just, I think it's just going to be, you're going to have to do a little bit of rewiring of what your tolerances are for putting up with different things the same way that each of us does every time we show up at Indy and the car is like a little different than it was the year before. That's, it's just going to be a lot more stuff kind of for him. It's going to be a lot more different little things to be paying attention to. So, does he have the time over the course of that, you know, that month to really come to grips with all that stuff? And is the car good enough also to have him be running at the front just kind of on pace? Um, and then where does, you know, where does the hybrid component of the whole thing fit into that? Is that more difficult for him to sort out than anybody else or not. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be new for everybody. So, chances are he probably kind of comes to grips with it about the same as everybody else does. But the full-time guys at least will have had a little bit more time working with it at that point. So, it's just how quickly he kind of comes to terms with all of the little things that end up mattering a lot at Indy. There's no, there's no high line. There's no, you know, there's not a lot of very, everybody's kind of got to do the same thing. You just have to do it a little bit better than the, than the other guys. And and like we've talked about, there's a lot of drivers with a lot of experience out there. But, you know, if, 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 if Jimmy's run last year is any indication, like in a, in the right car, he can definitely run up front. And if he does some of those little things, you know, a little better, maybe like, I, I think I, 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 I'm not, I'm definitely not, I think there's a lot of other guys that I would pick to win the race before I'd pick Kyle Larson. But I don't think it's out of the question that he's a top 10 car. And and if you're in the top 10, like there's always a chance. So, um, and I guess I, w- I would add on to that in terms of the doing the double, he's probably in the best position to win the Coca-Cola 600 compared to any of these guys. You know, if we assume that Hendrick continues to be as good as they've been over the last couple of years, like that's that's a that's just as big of a component of it in terms of his like, Comparing to Tony Stewart, like his average finish between the two races, um, I think he'll be in a spot where he can definitely go win that race. So, um, and he's used to, you know, racing at the dirt track and then racing the NASCAR race like the same day or something. So, I guess, uh, you know, it just, it just feels like he's young. He's in the right spot here. He's going to be driving for two great teams on both sides of the fence. Um, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that he could be in Tony Stewart territory. I guess at least. And he's 30 years old. So, you know, even if he doesn't win the Indy 500 at his first attempt here with, with McLaren, you know, he's got 10 years to be doing this. Like, that's what I love about it is like, I I think he, I think if he, as long as it doesn't like completely go to hell in a handbasket somehow, like I think he'll, I think this is something that we'll see him do more often than not. And you got to figure that Zach and, and Rick are going to be totally behind that. Go to hell in a handbasket is going to have to be another one of those JR phrases that we put on a t-shirt, I think. It's a, I think that's an American, maybe that's just an American. <laughs> I, I wanted to pick you up on Jimmy Johnson because he's kind of like a, in many ways, like a, a perfect case study of basically like how to approach oval racing as a bit of a rookie, isn't he? Because, and, and Roman Grosjean to a certain extent as well. If we, 
if we think back to Roman Grosjean's debut at Gateway and we think back to to Jimmy Johnson's first Indy 500, for example, there was two very consistent things with those two events. The the first was that both of the drivers absolutely amazed us with their sort of outrageous car control and their bravery to go and find some of the lines that they were finding and just to just to yeah, I guess basically approach it like they're not IndyCar drivers, basically. And, and that's what allowed them to be so successful in some cases in, in those two events. But also, ultimately, what probably caused their downfall in those two races as well or stopped them from being, you know, finishing as high up as they probably could. So you get this kind of like boom and bust situation of they, they the drivers look really impressive and they come in and they do all these crazy things and it's like you know this is awesome to watch and this is really cool but you've got the the rest of the IndyCar grid kind of watching them and going mm, you're not going to carry on doing that for very long yeah. because it's not going to work the odds are not in your favor here yeah exactly so I think Kyle's got some some good recent examples there because we talked about some of the people who've done double duty and we mentioned Kurt Busch in, in 2014 that's you know going back quite a while now and that's kind of pre I know it's still got the same chassis and, and that kind of thing, but it is pre-aero screen and the cars are performing a little bit differently now. So at least Kyle has got a bit of a cross-section of, you know, um, recent kind of people giving this a go and, and seeing what, what he can try and what he, what he can't try. So that'll be interesting to see. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess we should also, we talked about some of the reasons why we're excited about this and, and gone through them. Obviously, you know, big ones are that Kyle's in a really competitive car in, in both races. So that's a really good opportunity. We also know that he's a very, you know, he's he's fit. He's someone who's going to be, you know, perfectly capable of dealing with the the physical aspects of of this, if not maybe having to do a bit of neck work in, in preparation for the, for the 500. But also I think we should qualify that, this is like a massive opportunity for Kyle Larson to, I guess not prove, because he probably doesn't feel like he's got anything to prove to to anyone, but it's a, a chance for him to show how good he is and why so many people in North America talk about Kyle Larson in the way that they do. And the reason I bring this up is because there's obviously a lot of world interest in, in IndyCar and in NASCAR as well, to a certain extent. But I think with IndyCar, obviously it's more road course, street course based than NASCAR has been typically in the past. So uh, I guess people look at Kyle Larson and they see him winning on dirt ovals and then winning on NASCAR ovals. And they see people in America talking about Kyle Larson being one of the best drivers in the world and all of this kind of stuff. And it's maybe sometimes a bit difficult to understand or difficult to appreciate because it's just a different, it's basically a different world, isn't it? Competing in the in the short oval races that he does and in NASCAR. So I guess this is a great opportunity, even though obviously the Indy 500 is an oval, it's a chance on a kind of 
world stage, I guess, to kind of prove how good he is and to show people maybe outside of America how good he is as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that if if Kyle Larson was racing in the 90s, he would have been getting the Jeff Gordon treatment. You know, he would have been getting the Williams F1 seat. He would have been having that conversation with Jackie Stewart, you know, and and Bernie and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is the our eras are different. The the kind of way that we look at these things from a broader perspective, the the standing of NASCAR maybe is not quite what it was in the Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon era. Um, but nonetheless, he definitely I, I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm sort of on the side of the fence of like I think he just deserves all those accolades regardless of how he does at Indy. And yeah, this is, I, I think if I'm Kyle Larson and maybe, I mean, I don't know whether he, ha- I don't you know, I don't know if he has this uh, attitude or not, but I, I guess if I was to, um, you know, implant a, a viewpoint to have into Kyle's head, it would be like, I don't have anything to prove here. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm gonna prove that I'm, like not out of necessity, not because it means anything, but like I'm going to show up here and prove that I'm one of the best around and that like if I wanted to come and do this, I'd be really good at this too, basically. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, but yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Jimmy and and granted, the Ganassi cars were, were just insanely good last year, right? So, you, you got to qualify a little bit of it with that, but I think what we saw from Jimmy, like at Texas, even more so than at Indy, was kind of like what you were saying about at Ro- about Roma. That you know that was that was the that was the one time really throughout the course of the year that it it all just came together and actually ended up with a finish that was sort of deserving of being willing to do some different things and having that play out. You know, having the skill to do it that way and not get caught out by it. You know, it's just it's such there's such fine tolerances, such little little things, little reactions, little, you know, predictive kind of moments of thinking about what's going to happen next, just kind of being able to sort of know the way that, know the risk that you're taking, I guess, is, is, is the difference. Like, do you, are you taking that risk knowing that you've got to, that, that like, you're only going to get away with this so many times? I think when we watched Roma at Gateway, it was a little bit like, no, he doesn't really know. Like, he's finding out along the way here. You know, and so it's kind of catching him out, and it's still super impressive to watch. Like I'm sure there was other guys that he was driving around, like, oh, okay, like if he gets away with that one more time, I'm gonna have to start doing it. You know, uh, with Jimmy at Texas, it was it kind of all came together, and then a lot of those guys at Indy, you just go from Texas to Indy, and it's like, yeah, this is just, it's just back to one lane. Like you can't get away with it. it's even faster. The corners are even harder. Like you, there's just you know, you kind of don't know what you don't know basically until you get there. So, I think Kyle, Kyle will be able just because he's, because he's younger, because he's not saying anything about, you know, his skill level compared to Jimmy Johnson, but just he's, he's a little younger. He's, uh, you know, he's doing all of this other stuff. He's just driving stuff like every day. There's just there, I don't know. There's, there's some of those factors that I think will help him scale that learning curve more quickly. And, uh, you know, it makes me want to see him at other places in an IndyCar already, kind of, you know? Yeah. We're kind of putting these expectations on him because he, because he is that guy who goes out and races every day and will, will, will race absolutely anything that he possibly can. We, we're kind of 
you know, place in, you know, we, we want even more from him. We want him to go and do even more stuff, even though he's already doing all, all of this great stuff already. But it's interesting when you think about it, though, like, OK, Kyle Larson or Fernando Alonso, you know, like which of them actually has a skill set that's better suited to coming over and competing at a high level in the Indianapolis 500. You kind of think about Fernando. I just say that because he's he's done it. Like you could say the same thing for maybe maybe a better example would be Kyle Larson or Max Verstappen. Like which one of them do you think could get in right away and be faster? I think in that in that particular comparison, I'm taking Kyle Larson because it's an oval. Because there's a bunch of because he's driven a car sideways before. There's there's just all of these things. Like if it's maybe anywhere, if it's if it's any road course, if it's anything other than that, like. You wouldn't, but um, I, I just I think he does have a skill set that's reasonably tuned to like figuring things out quickly, understanding the general dynamics of this whole thing pretty well. I mean, he's also just not somebody that goes. You know, I, yeah, like you said, we're we're putting we're extrapolating a lot, and or I'm extrapolating a lot. I'll take you out of that, Jack. I'll, I'll give you a little, <laughs> little room to. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll let you have a little give on that. Um, I just, I guess when I look at it, when I look at what Kyle does and what he's come from, you know, it's not like he's, he goes out and like wins all these dirt track races without wrecking cars and doing all that kind of stuff. Like I just, it's not like he's a wild man, you know, he just knows how to, he knows what he's doing. I'm sure he faces extra attention, let's say on track as well in some of these races where you've got some up and coming young dirt drivers who want to make a name for themselves and they want to go wheel to wheel with Kyle Larson and, you know, that can be problematic at times you know when you're racing with drivers who are not at your standard and I'm sure he, he faces that on a pretty much if not a weekly basis then you know quite a few times a month I imagine he's uh, having to deal with drivers like that pretty regularly and he's still not someone who you know regularly crashes out or anything like that and the guy's got over 400 wins to his name so whatever happens basically this story is going to be absolutely fascinating to to see him at the 500 speaking of you mentioned justin marks before and obviously you're, you're a big fan of, of track house and everything that that they do and they've made noises about wanting to to come over to to indycar and it's it's obvious that there's mutual interest between some of the nascar either team owners or drivers in wanting to do the indy 500 i remember the the joint race last year at the indy road course the nascar drivers were asking the indycar drivers a lot of questions about the cars and stuff trying to learn about a little bit more about maybe the series and, and what's going on because they obviously the, the the two top series don't cross paths very often and it, it was this don't get me wrong it was the same for the indycar drivers they obviously wanted to know a lot more about nascar and stuff asking questions but i guess my point is that there's mutual interest there and that there's definitely you know in NASCAR drivers and NASCAR team owners who are interested in the 500 and, and the benefits that that can bring, not just, you know, from a from a driving perspective or a, a competition perspective, but also from a marketing perspective and a, a business perspective as well. So do, do, how, how much of, do you think it will matter how Larson gets on at the 500 in terms of whether we'll see any more people giving it a go, whether that's, you know, teams or, or drivers coming across. Do you think the the result will be key to that? Or do you think people will see the fact that Kyle Larson's coming over and just want to give it a go anyway, just because people like that are giving it a try? I guess it depends a little bit on where you're coming from with it. I think for, uh, I get, we, we're seeing it here in this combo of Hendrick and Hendrick cars and, and Zach and McLaren, that part of that interest is commercial. I think for Trackhouse and Justin, I think a big part of it is commercial. Like it's just another, it's a, it's a big, it's a place to be that without much restriction, except for the fact that you do have to make the race, like you have to fundamentally qualify for the race, that 
there's nothing keeping you from being an entrant in the Indy 500. You just got to have all the stuff to go do it. And whether that's your stuff, you know, you spend an engine. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you spent. Yeah, well, right. So there's all there's there's a lot of factors, right? But and and the engine thing is is not insignificant in mm. all of this, right? Like that is fundamentally the thing that's keeping there from being more entries and and more stuff that's going on. So I guess it's it's a little unclear how that's going to play out, right? Like, are we going to continue to be in this heavily constrained? engine situation for the next two or three years or something until they figure out whatever's next. If that's the case, then probably the the only real genuine entry point into running a car at the 500 is going to be doing some version of what Hendrick is doing here, which is just partnering with an existing team that essentially is already going to be able to get guaranteed an engine lease. We know, that, we know at least on the Chevy side that there's, you know, if ECR wants to run a fourth car, they're going to get a fourth engine. If you know, Penske wants to run a fourth car, they're going to get a fourth engine. There's a little, there's a little bit of wiggle room there to be able to support a couple of extra entries. Probably, I think on, on both sides, if it's the right situation, there's enough engines to go around potentially for like 36, 36 ish entries, basically. Um, and so, you know, when you factor that in, that does make things a little bit more difficult, but I guess I would say, I don't, uh, to actually answer the question, I don't necessarily think that you know, they're, that other teams would be other teams with that view of it, at least. Like if it's an if it's a NASCAR team that wants to be at the Indy 500 because they see there being some real commercial value, or and or brand value for their team being involved in that race. I'm not sure that I think Kyle's performance in one year as like a singular sample size is gonna alter that dramatically because I think some of these guys, like I look at Justin, you know, Justin's deal. I'm not sure necessarily that I think Justin's, I don't know this, but like, I don't, I guess I don't get the impression that he's thinking that he wants to run a car at the speedway and that for sure he's putting one of his NASCAR guys in it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he just wants track house to be running a car at the speedway. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, So that, that, that could be, you know, Whatever that that could be, Jimmy Johnson coming and running it. That could be Kimi Räikkönen coming and running it. That could be you know whoever else. So I guess I think uh, some of those things I think could happen anyway. It's just a matter of yeah. I mean the the big question is where are you get an engine from and how does that start to dictate the other ways in which you go do it? Are you going and spending a million bucks to go do this on your own? You know, or or to go own all of the stuff and you're doing a technical partnership with an existing team, or are you just you know, paying paying ECR one point five or wh- whatever it is to to have them, you know, a- operate the whole program on your behalf. So I think that's that's kind of those are at least just some of the components to the whole to that decision making process. Well, aside from the logistics, we can still get very excited that Kyle Larson, especially not just a NASCAR driver, but specifically one that is Kyle Larson is coming over to do the Indy 500 in 2024. JR, thanks so much for making some time to record with us today with your busy schedule. We appreciate it. And we're looking forward to more podcasting in 2023, even if this one was a little bit earlier than we probably anticipated getting going. But we're looking forward to Thermal Test, which is the first weekend of February. And we'll definitely be bringing you some more podcasts with JR before then. So uh, thanks very much. And we'll speak to you next time.
The Athletic.